Hi there, welcome to the Neurodivergent Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Griffith, and I am so excited to have you here. On this podcast, we talk about all forms of neurodivergence, from ADHD to learning disorders to giftedness to autism and more. If any of that sounds familiar, welcome to Neurodivergent Magic. Hello, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, and welcome back to another episode of the Neurodivergent Magic Podcast. Today, I am so excited because we have a guest to talk about something that has been on my radar for a long time, but I simply don't know enough to do a solo episode. So I have brought in Caitlin to talk to us about ADHD and the menstrual cycle. I know a lot of you are probably like, oh my goodness, thank it's about time. <laughs> you know, it's about damn time. Um, so if you aren't aware of this, um, your menstrual cycle, if you menstruate, has a huge impact on your ADHD traits and symptoms. Huge. Uh, and this is because, as Caitlin explains in the episode, estrogen and dopamine are very, very linked. Um, and your estrogen levels fluctuate throughout your cycle in different ways. So Caitlin's going to talk about all of this. And it's seriously such a wonderful episode. You're going to learn a ton. Um, so I know usually this is probably kind of a driving podcast, but if you want to take notes, this might be a good one to take notes on. So I, I won't keep you in suspense any longer. Here's the interview. Hey there, Caitlin. How are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Megan. I'm so excited. Oh my goodness. I am so excited. We have not covered this on the podcast yet, which is crazy. Um, so I am thrilled, uh, for all of you listeners out there, Caitlin is here today to talk to us about ADHD and our menstrual cycles and how these things affect each other. And I am just like, I'm so excited. I'm pregnant right now, so I'm not cycling at the moment, but, uh, <laughs> my cycle affects me a lot. So I'm, I am so pumped for this. So thank you for being here. Um, before we jump in, why don't you just tell people where they can follow you while they're listening and then, you know, just a little bit about you. Yeah, absolutely. So hi everyone. I am Caitlin Signorelli. I am a mama of two. So I've, I've been through pregnancy a few times as well and boy do I have my comments on ADHD and that as well um but for if anything that I am saying resonates with you as you're listening and you want to hang out in my world you can find me on Instagram at confidently underscore ADHD and that'll be my one for like ADHD. And then of course I have another brand that's just under at Caitlin Signorelli because why only have one brand that doesn't, of course there's, <laughs> there's so much. And as far as kind of how I came into this and why I know what I know, um, there's a good chunk of backstory as any good story has. So when I was 11, and please tell me if anything I say is like TM, because I don't really have a filter. Like, <laughs> there's anatomy, there's things that happen, there's adolescence. So just let me know if I'm, I'm broaching on a topic that maybe listeners might want to um, maybe put some headphones in if there's some younger viewers or, or sensitive listeners around I may be using language that you as the listener may find taboo I I do not and I'm very comfortable 
with this language. Um, so when I was 11, I started to recognize that life was just a lot more difficult. And I didn't put it together until I was older that that's when puberty started for me, was age 11. And things were just rough. Nobody in my family was diagnosed with ADHD at that time. Um, I come from a household where mental health wasn't really talked about. And um, I guess I'll say like trigger warning, there is a, a little bit of, of self-harm. So at age 11, I started cutting myself to deal with the frustration of what was going on inside my mind. And by age 12, I recognized the symptoms of depression in myself. When I reached out to the a few adults that I trusted in my life, I was met with inaction and flat out told that kids can't be depressed. And so I had this very real, very heavy understanding of what was going on inside my mind where all of a sudden it became very clear that I couldn't really talk about it. And so anything that I was going to find out and that I was going to learn, I was going to have to do myself. And fast forward through high school, the, the, the difficulty and, and the cutting were, were still issues for me, but it was cyclical. It wasn't all at the same time. And I couldn't figure out, it felt like chaos. It didn't feel predictable. It kind of just felt like I was lost in the ocean, swaying back and forth, never really knowing what was going to happen and when it was going to get, you know, like quote unquote bad again. And later in high school, I remembered seeing these um, pharmaceutical ads. Um, other countries don't have drug ads on TV, by the way, but America does. And so there's this, this new drug that came out to treat something called PMDD. And I was listening to the description of what PMDD was through these drug adverts on TV. And I realized, oh, that sounds a lot like me. Because it wasn't just the normal PMS that I was experiencing. Uh, it was, it was deeper. It was darker. It was like I was taken over by a different personality. And of course, in high school was the same time that I was forgetting to eat. I was trying to lose weight because I wanted to be pretty like all the other girls. I wasn't getting a lot of sleep because <laughs> procrastination helped motivate me to do my homework. I was coping with all these, what I would say were terrible coping strategies to get my brain to work when I didn't know that that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And what happens is when one uses those coping skills, the, the lack of sleep to motivate the lack of food to like pump up the body's natural, like energy reserves is when I was going into my PMS week, I had no buffer. And it was like I fell off a cliff. 
and here I am navigating all of this by myself, um, not talking to anybody else about it. I didn't really even talk to my girlfriends about it. And it felt like this very, very big, dark secret. And I had a lot of shame around it. And I carried that with me for so long. I mean, through to my early 20s. So my story started when I was 11. Through to my young 20s is how much I was dealing with almost, almost monthly thoughts of just maybe not every month. Some months were better than others. But of just de- these terrible depressive episodes that would take over my life on top of emotional dysregulation, on top of brain fog, on top of trying to do all of these productivity things the neurotypical way that I had no idea was draining myself over and over and over again. And I started to... Like I decided that I didn't want to live that way anymore. There had to be something I could do. And the first thing that I personally did was start to change my diet around. And I realized that helps a lot. But it didn't take away everything I was experiencing. And I remember very distinctly, like not like the dates or anything, but I remember the moment that I was writing in my journal and like sometimes I write journal entries to God, fill in your word for, for whatever you use, source, spirit, higher power. I wrote my journal entries at that time I wrote to God. And I remember saying, God, I'm so happy right now. I I'm in love with my life right now, but I know in a few weeks, I'm not going to feel this way anymore and I'm going to be sad and I'm not going to know what to do about it. So please help me hold on to this feeling to get me through that. And then I remember a couple of weeks later writing in there, like I'm holding on to it. I know that I'm in the dark right now and just help me hold on so I can hang in there until things start feeling better. And that's not the way I wanted to live my life. And that's not the way I want anybody else to live their lives. And nobody told me that all of what I was experiencing could be attributed to the menstrual cycle. And that without knowing that, without supporting my body and my mind in that way, it was causing me that pain and that grief. And I still was not, I mean, self-diagnosed. I self-diagnosed myself with ADHD at 29 after a bout of postpartum depression after my second And life just got harder. And I was like, what is this? And finally came to the TED Talk 
from, I cannot remember her name, but she has the YouTube channel, How to ADHD. And her TED Talk threw the blinds open of, oh my gosh, that is my brain. And from everything that I had experienced with my menstrual cycle, between my young 20s to my my late 20s, I really started tracking to understand what was going on in my body, but I did not put it together with my ADHD symptoms until that time. And it was like this magic switch went off in my head. And I love to look for patterns. I'm always looking for patterns. So as soon as I had those two pieces of the puzzle, I started clicking everything into place and I run my life based on my menstrual cycle. And it is the most empowering thing that I have ever done for myself. And it's allowed me to release so much shame and guilt. I do not carry shame around with me anymore. And to my, my past self to hear me say that, I'm sure I would break down and cry. Thank you so much for sharing your story and your experience. I know that you are not the only person who has had an experience like that. And I think it's absolutely wild that you learned about PMDD through a drug advertisement and not from the people you were reaching out for help for from. And I mean, it does make some sense. Like even now PMDD is not a super widely recognized. It's a very hotly debated topic in the world of psychiatry. Like, um, so there's still a lot of dismissal and invalidation around, uh, which for people who don't know, we actually haven't defined that PMDD is premenstrual dysphoric disorder. Um, and it's basically, Imagine if PMS made you want to take a bath with a toaster. Uh, like it yeah, is pretty extreme. Much. <laughs> it is take all the normal PMS sy- symptoms and just ramp them up to like level a million. Um, yes. And it is like, truly debilitating. They uh, whereas I think they hijack your, your thoughts. thoughts. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah. So just for people who may be a little unfamiliar with that term, um, And it is, it's not super widely accepted. So it does make sense that, you know, the adults in your life maybe didn't see it or understand it or, you know, all of that, but that is wild that you saw a drug advertisement and that's why it was like, when I look back, like, I'm so, I'm so grateful that it was on the TV. I wouldn't have known. I, I wouldn't have known. And it, It was a very big thing for me to understand that, oh, that's what's happening. And so I I didn't feel like it was some moral failing inside myself. I was like, oh, this is part of my PMS and this is just a really bad thing. And other people experience this too, and I'm not alone. And so I learned at about that. I don't remember what age I was, but I learned at that time that my life was going to be very cyclical and whether or not like consciously, I was very aware of that. Um, maybe, maybe not probably took some time for me to accept because this society that we live in is very linear. It's very step one, step two, step three, 
one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock, start the morning, do the hard thing, finish up in the evening. And for a lot of us, that just does not work. And having this monthly cycle for, for us who do menstruate, like having this monthly cycle inside of us that society really doesn't acknowledge all of the the factors that go on inside our bodies and our brains and they're like oh well just try harder that week or well I guess you could take a rest if you need to like someone who does not cycle doesn't fully understand unless they want to or they've mm-hmm. been taught about it and yeah so, so speaking yeah. of that let's let's talk about the cycle because there are different phases of the cycle that can have different <laughs> impacts on ADHD and on yeah. mental health in general like I'm fascinated can you maybe lay that out for us absolutely so there are you will either hear the menstrual cycle broken up into two halves or four phases and i like to use the four phases because the hormone shifts are dramatic no matter the length of the phase i have found in my experience so the four phases are the follicular ovulatory luteal and then the, men- the menstrual phase. And the follicular and ovulatory are the first half, and the luteal and the menstrual phase are the second half. And the longer ones are the follicular phase and the luteal phase. The luteal phase is the longest phase, and it's the one that gets the most plaque but I'm going to tell everybody why it's my favorite very soon here. So the follicular phase, I'm gonna go over these and kind of talk about the different ADHD symptoms. And I also do like to use the word ADHD superpowers as well. I know a lot of people do not identify with the word superpowers being used. If I say superpowers, please plug in strengths or another word that works for you. So for the follicular phase, this is the creativity. This is the brainstorming. This is the, I'm going to buy the new planner and it's going to work this time. And you sit down and you're coloring it and you're getting everything set up and you're putting out your schedule. You're like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You're very optimistic. And again, these are generalities. So if it isn't holding true for you, your situation may be different. And some people are irregular. I'm speaking about a general kind of flow here. So the follicular time is the brainstorming. It's the dreaming. It's the setting goals, which we're all very, very good at. The the lofty dream in the sky. And we know we have goals we want to chase after. And this this is when you will likely find yourself in that dream state and in that planning and in that that goal setting and moving into ovulation 
Real quick before we jump into ovulation, just a quick question, just to clarify. So the follicular stage starts right after your period ends? It's different for different people. Thank you for that question. That's a great question. Okay. (laughs) So you, for me, I'll, I'll speak for myself is when I start noticing that mental shift, when my energy starts increasing again, when I start to feel that bump up of physical energy and that optimism and that planning, that is when I consider my follicular phase to start. And that could be about three to five days into like the ant flow week. Gotcha. And so it's not necessarily when you stop bleeding, then you're in follicular, your body's still catching up with what your hormones are doing. And so you may be at the end of bleeding, but already started your follicular phase. Okay. So it is self-aware, it's self-assessment and self-awareness and noticing that shift and when it starts to move for you. And it's not so important to know the exact date and, and time of when it shifts. It is a flow. It's, right. it's a shift. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm shifting into this now. And it's very subtle and gradual. It's not like a flip with switch. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So the same thing with ovulatory. I just kind of like wake up. It's the day that I want to take like my selfies. Or like the day, like three, three days, it's a very short phase, uh, about two to three days where you're your most extroverted, even introverts, you are your most extroverted of your introverted self. People for myself, I want to talk more. I have high energy. I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh yeah, I've got it. And like I said, like, I want to take my selfies, I'm feeling on top of the world. And what doesn't get talked about a lot is the ADHD symptoms that accompany ovulation. And that is impulsivity. Yeah. Like hardcore. I have two, (laughs) I have two very grown examples of impulsivity (laughs) and one is watching Peppa Pig um so it's not I don't I feel like it's not talked about enough and I feel like a lot of people when understanding their cycle and understanding why this is happening in their mind why do I feel like this Oh, like somebody just needs to tell them like, hey, it's happening because your hormones are in this phase, which means you're primed for extroversion, for putting yourself out there, for talking, for kind of drawing more attention to yourself than normal, which can, if you're not aware, increase risks of certain impulsive behaviors. Um, I talked about kind of an extreme one that results in children. And there's also monetary spending, 
which can be quite impulsive at this time as well. And so recommend you can go try on the clothes, but set yourself a budget ahead of time or have somebody else in charge of your credit card. Mm -hmm. It can, it can, if that is your nature to have more impulsive money spending habits, being aware that it can be exacerbated during ovulation is a very useful tool. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And what was another one I was going to say? Yes. And for planning, what is often mistaken during this time is that people who are looking for ways to, you know, get their life together or that they're, they're searching for that one fix, that mm-hmm. one thing that's going to help them. A lot of things work during this time. It's, it's a very optimistic time. It's very high energy. What I found for myself was um, before I knew I had ADHD, I was thinking I finally figured it out. I finally figured it out. Everything's working. I am high energy. Things are working. I'm, I'm getting things done. I'm productive. I'm sticking to my schedule. And then I start to try to plan again. And then accidentally overbook myself for the next couple of weeks because your energy does not stay at that level. That is your peak energy. It is not something to, um, I would say it's not something to ascribe to or to try to push yourself to achieve every single week. That's your peak and it's to be respected for what it is, a temporary thing. I'm sad when I see it go, but I let it go. And I allow myself to slow down after that. And I see a lot of women and others who go through this energetic cycle along with their menstruation. I find that they try to plan as if that energy is going to stay. Yes. And one woman I worked with after I I brought this to her attention and she really ran with it. And when she, she messaged me back and she's like, I knew I shouldn't have put all of those meetings that week, but I did it anyway. (laughs) And I just, I, I coached her and said, you know, okay, you did. And I have those commitments. It's okay. Everybody decide they want to do things a little differently every time see how you feel after this week and make a note of it or journal about it that is this something you want to repeat do you want to go through this again and so that like that and that's how you deal with that if you if one makes a mistake when scheduling according to one cycle it's not it's not a failure. It's an experiment. Yes. I love that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know from shifting from ovulation to luteal. Some people will say luteal. I say luteal. And the luteal phase is your longest phase. It's about two weeks. And 
I am not necessarily aware if anybody else has experienced exactly what I do in that shift, but maybe some others will. So maybe some listeners will hear this and feel validated in their experience of when I shift from ovulation into luteal, I actually go through this kind of what I have dubbed like this mini PMS phase where my hormones like shift gear, kind of like if a roller coaster were going one way and it just like, it's like, nope, I'm going to stop. And you got to like hit that brakes and you kind of get bounced around a little before it like reverses and goes the other direction. And I can be a little moody. I can be short with my temper during that time. And it usually lasts about a day for me. So if anybody else experiences that too, please know that it's a hormonal shift. And it's not that you've lost it for a day. There is something going on inside your brain chemistry and inside your body that can lead to that. And you're not alone. So shifting from ovulation into the first half of the luteal. I like to break up luteal. It is so long. And I feel that for ADHDers, it's a very, very different experience from week one to week two of the luteal phase. Uh, Because we are so sensitive and affected, some of us more than others. But with the changes of the hormones in this phase in particular being so significant, it really has a big impact on what symptoms are predominant and are exacerbated. So the first half of the luteal phase is probably one of my favorites. Because this is the, um, am I allowed to curse? Yeah, go for it. This is the get shit done week. Yes, we love it. This this is the, you wrote that to-do list. You've got it in front of you. These things have been nagging you. And you finally are just like in that mindset of just, I'm going to knock all of this shit out and I'm going to go. And you're done and you're moving through it. And you feel the most productive that you have been in weeks, which only reinforces some of people's ideas during ovulation that they finally figured it out. Mm-hmm. And moving into this luteal phase where they're like, all oh, right, I'm on the roll. I got it. I'm moving. And without the awareness that this will stop. Yeah. When they get to that point where their body is saying, hey, it's time to slow down. We're done with that now. It creates a very big resistance inside the body and inside your thoughts. And I lived this for a very, very long time of thinking that I messed up. I effed up somewhere. And I screwed up the good thing that I had going. I didn't. It's a hormone shift. And that at first half of the luteal, I find it's not necessarily that I woke up with more spoons actually each day into the luteal uh, spoon theory. I should address spoon theory. So spoon theory for anybody who doesn't know is this metaphor for how much energy you kind of wake up with in a day. That's your allotment of spoons that you woke up with. And what you do throughout the day costs you different spoons. And so 
unloading the dishwasher for me is typically about seven spoons. Right. Yeah. But during the first half of my luteal phase, it's about maybe two. Mm-hmm. But I also woke up with less spoons during my luteal phase than I did in my ovulation phase. And what I adjust with spoon theory for the menstrual cycle is during each phase, we wake up with a certain different number of spoons as according with that phase. But our menu, our cost per spoon of activities also changes. It's based on what hormones are going on in the brain right now that prime you, make it easier to do certain activities than in another phase. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so first half of luteal, not a lot of things have many spoons, but if I wanted to sit down and try to plan my next month, that's going to be the high spoon cost. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I don't feel like sitting down and thinking through things. I feel like doing. Yeah, yeah. No, that absolutely makes sense. It's almost like during, it sounds like during the first half of the luteal phase, uh, we might wake up with fewer spoons. Like we don't necessarily have as much energy as during the ovulatory phase, but our executive dysfunction is lessened, which means tasks require a fewer spoons. So we can get shit done, even though we might have a little less energy than we had. Yes, exactly. I love that. That's exactly. such a good explanation. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a big mystery that a lot of people just can't figure out why, why is it easier during this time? What did I do different? You didn't, you're in a different phase of your cycle and it is what it is. Uh, there's, also other factors that do affect that as well, such as sleep and diet and exercise, the big three that are always very kind of difficult to achieve. Uh, mm-hmm. But they also affect that as well. Um, ovulation, because we feel that higher energy level. Sometimes I eat by with not getting as much sleep as I should. Sure. But because I had that higher spoon count, it didn't really affect me so much. Mm-hmm. And it kind of the hormones can carry you through. Yeah. By shifting into going from the first half of the luteal phase and that transition into the second half of the luteal phase, what many would refer to as their PMS leak okay. is your body is going through so much on the inside that you're not seeing out of sight, out of mind. You're not seeing it. So you're not necessarily consciously aware of it, but your body's tired. It's using a lot of energy during this week and the next week to move you through the last bit of the menstrual cycle. And we have lower physical and mental energy during this time because of that. This is the time when from, from ovulation through this point, testosterone has been dropping. Estrogen has been dropping. Estrogen is a precursor to the creation of dopamine in our brain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Estrogen drops. Therefore, dopamine creation drops. What happens when dopamine creation drops? 
motivation drops. We want to sit on the couch all day. Makes sense. Right, it does. When you, when you start looking at it and you're like, uh, and that's when I feel like being a couch potato and that's when the chocolate comes out. And testosterone dropping at that same time as well is very connected to the physical energy. Right. So our physical energy is decreasing through this time. The same as our dopamine and our motivation is dropping during this time, which is why PMS gets so but I'm saying PMS. The 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 second half of the luteal phase mm-hmm. gets so villainized because we're tired, we're grumpy, we just came off a super productive week. And for many, they don't understand why it ended. So the second half of the luteal phase is this very like a super juxtaposition of like the first half of the luteal phase because like all of that productivity that just happened and now the body and the mind is saying we're not going to do that anymore we're going to slow down we're going to need you to slow down even though you don't want to and because of that drop in estrogen there's also a very big increase in brain fog and word recall an executive function task service that much harder. It feels like the rug got pulled out from under us, especially if you're not expecting it. And if for any reason, if your sleep is off, your eating is off, if you're not moving around as much as you should, which is basically most of us, let's be honest. And all of those things can help make it less, drastic but it's not going to stop it because this is an effect of estrogen in your brain of what has happened and from the last half of the luteal phase into the menstrual phase what you notice is maybe a lessening of the I don't know the word I'm looking for but the extremeness of that like that brain fog and like the, the word difficulty, like it, maybe it's going to hang around a little bit, but it's not going to get worse. And in sure. fact, it's going to start to get a little better. So I really recommend self time and just checking in with yourself during this time. This is a great time to look back over the months and say, Hey, what didn't work? Because your brain's kind of primed to be extra critical during this time. So you're going to look through and you might find times where you crossed your boundaries and you didn't really know it, or you, you let it slide at the time because you had the energy for it, but your brain and your body remember, and this is a great time to bring it back up into your attention and say, what can I adjust or do differently or pay attention to during the next month? And it really is, Oh, oh, wiping the slate clean when you yeah. go through the whole thing. And what I would say, probably one of the, the biggest pieces of this is just knowing that the intensity of your ADHD symptoms and which symptoms are showing is the, the biggest thing. Like, if I know you were going to ask me like what 
what to tune into. Like if you zoned out and you're coming back in, what's the most important thing? It would be this is just knowing that your symptoms shift as your hormones shift during your menstrual cycle. And there's no shame in it. And it happens. And when you start to pay attention to it, to see how it looks and shows up for you in your life, you can start to take control over it. And it's not chaos anymore. Yes, I love it. (laughs) Yeah, giving some control back. And I think the control doesn't come from living that 24 hour cycle. That's so ingrained in our society. Getting control back comes from accepting and embracing your 28 ish day cycle and recognizing that that cycle has probably more of an impact on you than your daily cycle. I mean, it depends on the person, but if, if you menstruate, that's, it's a big part of your life. And we've kind of been taught that like, yeah, it's, it's something, but like, don't talk about it. Don't, it's not a big deal. Just, mm-hmm. and I think it comes from, hopefully I try to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think it comes from a sort of good place where people are trying not to like limit you with your menstrual cycle. Like they're like, no, you can still do whatever. It's not that big a deal. But the truth is it really is a big deal, especially for ADHDers. And like, it's, there's no shame in acknowledging the things that impact us. Mm -hmm. No, there is no shame in acknowledging the things that impact us. And everybody is entitled to live their life in accordance to how their body and their brain works best. Yes, 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 yes. 100%. I love that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a get, really, oh God. Yeah, it, it, it is a really good point. Thank you. And what I think that that kind of undertone in society is, is that there tends to be one ex- exalted kind of way of being that's up on a pedestal, which is that that 24 hour system. Mm -hmm. I, I liken it to the industrial revolution. When machines came out, you could run a machine all day, every day, same production, you know what you're going to get. People aren't machines. We're, We're not meant to work and to live like machines. It's a lesson we're still learning. Machines are supposed to exist to make our lives easier, not to force us to be more machine-like. Exactly. Yes. And um, so this thing uh, is something I use for work. I use it for parenting. I use it to help me with what exercises I'm going to do. You can do yoga at any phase but I'm not going to do a hit workout at the start of my menstrual phase. Not right. No, thanks. No, thanks. It really changed how my husband and I relate to each other. So when he and I got married, we we talked about ADHD because my sister has been formally diagnosed, but nobody else in my family had. And he was saying, I don't really think it exists. And then I had found the video and I was like, oh my gosh, I have this. So we went through a very big transition. And now we're, we're at the point where three, four, four years into our marriage. And 
we use this to communicate about my executive function. And each week, he's very type A, very get it done. And he looks at me and he's like, I know you're in your PMS week. I really need you to get this one thing done for me today. And I'm like, okay, I can do one thing. (laughs) Right. That's honestly so helpful because he recognizes, okay, you know, she can't do the list of 18 tasks I have in my head, but she can do one. So if I pick and prioritize for her, because right now she doesn't have the executive functioning to do that, then yeah, it's so helpful. It, it, it changed our relationship. There was a lot of stress about that. And, and so we're very open about that. And that's why I encourage, and I hope to see the world become more open in discussing it because it is a very big part of our lives. And and I am using it in my parenting and I am using language with my children to help them understand, you know, mommy doesn't have as much energy this week. Right. So these are the activities that I have planned if I plan activities. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. And I, I, hold, I, I hold love no that. Shame over it. I hold no shame over it. Right. That's so great. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for explaining the cycle that was really helpful and really informative. Um, and I hope everybody listening got a lot out of it and we will talk to you next Saturday. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you give us a follow over on Spotify, leave a review over on Apple podcasts and tune in next Saturday for another amazing episode.